All right. Um, it's just a couple. Well, like one minute before our official start time, but we'll go ahead and get started. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to read yet because we finished. Um, we we're partway through uh, chapter four of Luke's gospel last week, so we'll finish up there, and then if we have time, we'll move into chapter five. Um, but let me open us in prayer, and then I got a. I've got a one housekeeping item that I want to communicate to you all before we get started officially. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for a, a crisp morning uh, in January that we can be here in a warm building, that we can gather together with uh, brothers and sisters, so many of whom we know well, we've known for years. We're thankful, Lord, that we can study your word, that we can, we can hear it, that we can investigate it, we can ask questions of it, Lord, and, and truly ask questions of you. We pray, Lord, that you would continue that work which you began in us, that you would work in us even today as we study your word, the work of, of transformation, the work of renovation, or the work of sanctification. We pray that you would grow us uh, into the image and the likeness of Christ, that you'd make us more and more like he is. We pray, Lord, that we would uh, more and more love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and that we would love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to submit to you, to submit to your word, to your teaching. And so we pray, Lord, that you would make us humble students of your word, that we would not attempt to sit in authority over it and dictate to your word what it means, but, Lord, that we would seek to understand what you mean in your word. So we pray that you'd guide us by your Holy Spirit. He is a precious gift you've given to us. And we pray that he would give us wisdom. We pray that he would give us humility. We pray, dear Lord, that he would give us understanding. And we pray that you would be glorified during this class today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so housekeeping item. In two Sundays, um, so this will be February 11th, uh, our family is going to be out of town. We're going to be down in San Antonio um, and so that Sunday, John West, is, uh, who teaches the senior high class, he's working through the Confession of Faith. He's going he's to bring his class in here, and y'all are going to get to learn. I don't know where they are in the Confession of Faith, the Westminster Confession of Faith. I'm not sure where they are, but he's going to basically teach his senior high class to the adult class and the senior highs. Um, and then, Lord willing, the plan will be, uh, we'll be back the next, uh, the next Sunday and, and pick, right, pick right back up where we left off. So next Sunday I'll be here. The following Sunday we'll be down in San Antonio. Um, and uh, that's, that's at least the plan. So, um, so last week we were talking about, we we're in chapter 4. Um, we had been talking about the temptation of Jesus in the garden. We've been talking about the, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we talked about how uh, Jesus at his baptism, you remember the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a, in the form of a dove. Uh, the Father uh, spoke. And, and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And um, so uh, we, we talked about the, the special nature of the temptation of Jesus. And after the, after the Sunday school class, Wayne brought up an interesting point. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an important point to, to remember because we, we can emphasize, and I think it's proper and right to emphasize this, this special endowment of the Holy Spirit with regard to Christ's Humanity, so his human nature. He's one person, two natures, right? With regard to his human nature, he's anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he's empowered by the Holy Spirit during those 40 days of, of wilderness temptation. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit to resist that temptation, 
and, and to, as a representative of, of all of those who belong to him, um, uh, fulfill the covenant of works on our behalf, right? Um, and so Wayne asked a question after the Sunday school class, and, and, uh, and I thought about it during the week. He said, well, okay, so prior to Jesus' baptism, prior to the, uh, the, uh, the, t- the wilderness temptation, was Jesus able to sin then? Could he have possibly sinned? And, 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 and I think it's an important question for this reason. <clears throat> if we emphasize the anointing of the Holy Spirit at his baptism prior to his temptation in the wilderness, uh, if we overemphasize or emphasize it to the, to the point where we, we, we think it might have been possible for him to have sinned prior to that, then we are, we are then committing a grave error. Um, because as the Son of God incarnate, no, Jesus, he could not have sinned even prior to the, the, that special anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and certainly Jesus, as, a, as, a, as the God-man, as, as God in human form, he, he would have faced temptations um, prior to that point in his life, prior to his public ministry and, and his representation of us in the wilderness. But I think we have to understand the special nature of the temptation that he was undergoing in the, during those 40 days, the extreme nature of it, and that it was temptation unlike anything uh, that he would have faced in any other way because <clears throat> prior to his baptism, prior to the beginning of his public ministry, he, he's, he's not acting as a public person. Um, he, he is, he's, that may not, that may be a, a distinction that doesn't make uh, much difference to, to many of you, he, but he's not acting as our representative in the same way that he was post-baptism during the wilderness temptation. And, and, he, and, and Satan uh, tempted him in severe, extreme ways where he was, uh, during which he was extraordinarily susceptible to those temptations remember the first temptation he's starving um and satan says well you know if you're the son of god turn these stones into bread eat um and so the the extreme form of temptation that jesus experienced in the wilderness would have been unlike any other kind and so that's that's what necessarily goes so far as to say that's why he had to have that that anointing of the holy spirit but the anointing of the Holy Spirit certainly equipped him um, in a way uh, uh, in a way that was necessary for that type of temptation. And again, we're we're, we're speaking there of the human nature uh, of Christ. I read that passage to you from from Voss that talked about his baptism, his anointing. Um, that that's that's with regard to his human nature, because because Jesus is at the same time fully God and fully man, and so. Uh, inasmuch as he was tempted, it was his human nature that was tempted. Um, uh, yeah, Josh, you had a had a comment or question. I was absent when you talked about the baptism, maybe. Mm-hmm. I apologize if you covered this, but it's, <clears throat> would it be fair to say that part of the uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit is for him to conduct his earthly ministry, is to go forth and preach? To yeah, I think that's a good way to... examples of people, mm-hmm. that were, like, even like... Judges in mm-hmm. the Testament are described as mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit coming upon yep. them to do certain yep. things. And so that seems like one, at least one of the mm-hmm. really key things that the yeah. Holy Spirit on Jesus mm-hmm. enabled. Yes. Yeah, that's a very good point. And um, and you know, we probably covered more of the significance of his baptism even last week than um, than when we talked about it several weeks ago. Um, but it is, I mean it's 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 both Jesus stepping in as our representative publicly 
He's, he, didn't, he didn't have to be baptized. Uh, in terms of his own, you know, the, John's baptism of repentance, right? He, he was not a sinner. Um, he, he didn't have to be baptized for his own sake, but he was baptized for our sake. Um, it was a demonstration that he was representing those for whom he would die. And so, um, uh, so yeah, it, 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 it is, um, and it does, um, I think the, the antecedents for his baptism, the equipping of the Holy Spirit, are definitely to be found in the Old Testament and among the, the kings, um, the prophets, in those particular instances. And I think that's the point that Voss made, um, that that's, that's how, we, how we come to have at least some understanding of the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit on Christ at his baptism is by looking at the Old Testament and seeing how when the Holy Spirit anoints, um, that, that person is, is uh, especially empowered and equipped to carry out a particular task. So, yeah. Um, Tim. Did Jesus' human nature have the same sin nature that we have? No. He, um, he would have, um, if you think about Adam prior to the fall, um, so that Adam prior to the fall did not have a sin nature. Um, he, was, he had the ability to sin, uh, but also the ability not to sin. Um, so Jesus did not have a sinful nature. <laughs> Um, however, um, Jesus is in a, he's in a class all by himself in that um, because he is God in the flesh, he, he would not have, um, while he, he was not able to sin. Um, and there's a, there's a Latin phrase, I wish Robert were here, I don't know Wayne if you remember the Latin phrase that talks about this. It's, it's, it's a uh, non pacare, yeah, non passe, non pacare, um, which is, you know, when you say Latin, it's like, well, that's all I need to say. Not, yeah, non passe pacare, yeah. So it's not possible for Jesus to sin. Um, and it's, and it's, um, yeah, I hope, yeah, so basically, that's, that's the answer to your, your, that's my answer to your question. I don't know if you have a follow up or if, if that, if that's sufficient. Um, would they say, we say Jesus was tempted just like we were mm-hmm. are. Yeah. And with our sin nature, when we're tempted, it's kind of the deck's kind of stacked against us, mm-hmm. it seems. Mm-hmm. And with Jesus not having a sin nature, it would seem like the deck is not stacked against him. Oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> absolutely. And, so I wonder about, yeah. and I'm not trying to say Jesus had it easier than we mm-hmm. do or anything, but right. that, that comparison of mm-hmm. these dealing with sin, mm-hmm. if we didn't have a sin nature, I'd be a whole lot better off. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, I mean, Jesus was still subject to the common curse without having a sin nature. I mean, so I think you'd say that. So he did suffer, um, and, and because he had a, he had a, a, he had a you know, he had a human so his hu- human nature was in, a, in its pure form, in, a, in its, um, its um, uh, the state of innocence, which is what Adam's and Eve's were um, prior to the fall. Um, but he still, because he's living in the time of the curse, he's still subject to the pangs of hunger. Um, uh, he would have been able to be wounded. Obviously, he was on the cross. Um, he could suffer death. So he, he probably, I mean, speculative here because there's no instance where we read about Jesus actually, you know, getting sick. But, but it, it seems he had our flesh 
uh, not in a sinful, I don't mean flesh in the sinful sense that, that Paul often uses it, uses it, but he had our flesh, which meant, meant he would have been susceptible to, to all of the, um, outside of sin, outside of the moral area, it would have been, he would have been susceptible to all of those things that, that, that bring on misery in our life and make our lives that much more miserable. Um, so he did experience the miseries of this life, except for sin, which and I'm not, I mean, what you're saying is right. That's a huge thing, right? That's, that's gigantic. Um, but I think that's why when we think about his temptations in the, in the wilderness, that's why they are, um, when, you, when you stop and think about the temptations that he endured, they are huge. I mean, they're, they're, they're magnitudes of order greater than the typical temptations that we face and fall to on a daily basis, you know. Um, not to, again, not to minimize it because, um, because it's, it, it is a big deal for us. But I will say this, Tim, and this is something I think it's important for Christians to, to remember too, is that we have to be careful. And I'm, not, I'm not accusing you, so don't, you know, we've got to be careful not to maximize or overemphasize our sin nature. Because in Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, it's a whole new ballgame. Um, now, we, 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 we ha- so I guess we have to be careful not to either remain in or to adopt a defeatist mentality. We need to remind ourselves that, that, that Christ has given us the victory over sin, that, that sin no longer reigns in us in the way that it once did. We're no longer slaves to it. We're no longer enthralled to sin in the way that we once were. And so, yeah, we still have that. The, the, you know, I, I like to refer to it as the vestiges of sin nature, the residue of sin nature. It's not the same as it was prior to our conversion, which I think is very important to remember. And I think, I think we, we forget that. To, Christians forget it to our great peril because we make all kinds of excuses then for, well, I can't help it. You know, I just can't, I, I, I can't help it. And so it's easy to excuse it when we, when we overemphasize the sin nature that remains um, in, in the Christian um, but so there's a balance because if you if you completely just say well hey Christ has given me the victory and I don't need to worry about this stuff anymore then the danger is well you're just going to overlook your own you're going to overlook your own sin um, minimize it uh, or just completely ignore it and there's a danger in that too um, but but you are you are right um, that because Christ did not have a sin nature the way that we do um, he. It, it, it would not have been as difficult, in a sense, for him to resist temptation. However, just yeah, remember the circumstances, and yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want to oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I know, and I'm not. Don't take it as like a hard correction of what you're saying. Just a, I mean, I mean, it's a good question, and there are like 15 hands coming up. <laughs> There's a ton of people asking questions, um, but it's a very good question. It's a worthwhile question to think about because I think as Christians we we're we're trying to find that we're trying to find the middle way. <laughs> like we're trying to, it's like, and I think you've said this before. It's like we're just trying to walk this line and not fall off to one side or the other, and and that's the real challenge. And if you know, so we find we find the balance. We find the balance. We now. We have been returned to that state while we still have the, the, the residue of sin on us. We, we are able not to sin, but also we're able to sin. That's and the only reason we're able not to sin. It's because of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we, can't, we, and we can't ever forget that. And I appreciate you not letting me forget that because it's important. It's only by the, because we've been born again. We have the Holy Spirit now residing in us. 
that we're able not to sin, not through any power of our, ourselves. And that's that's the like you begin to think you're you're standing on your own, and you know beware lest you fall. Um, all right, um, I, Liz and. I think Wayne raised his hand, and maybe Josh and John and so and Eddie and yeah. So, all right. So I, I'm glad. I you know I'll be honest. I had I had this uh, for the next chapter. I had this much in notes prepared, <laughs> and I'm really glad I didn't spend uh, all the time to go ahead and finish out chapter five. <laughs> so, um, Liz. Big thing on that, Adam didn't have sin. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. He didn't have the excuse that I was hungry and ate the apple. Mhm. Mhm. Right. Yeah. It's it's a you know it's a very important point to make. Yeah, Adam, you know Adam and Eve, man. <laughs> That's why we, you know, so you think about it, just like ah, why, why? <laughs> um, but it, then we remember, okay, God, God is sovereign, even over that. God is sovereign, and all things happen to His perfect plan. And you know the thing I think why you know the, the the only answer I can give to that why question I don't think we'll ever know till we get to heaven um, and Lord willing God will be gracious and let us know the whys uh, at least some of the answers to our why questions is that if Adam and Eve had never fallen we wouldn't know what grace is and um and I think that might just make it worth it um, to know what grace is to know what it means to be forgiven. To know what it means to to have a savior who is willing to give up his life, um, to you know, give up his his position at the right hand of the Father and come to us and die in our place, um, we wouldn't know that, and, and we get to experience it. We get to live in it, and that's uh, that's an amazing thing. Okay, so I think I think Josh, I saw your hand next. Um, Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. I mean, you're, what you're 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 you've really gotten to. I think the crux of the matter in, in this. If it was really just not possible for Jesus to sin, then does, what does that what does that say about the temptations? Um, and yet, I mean, we have to we have to maintain the temptations were very real. You know, there, it wasn't just a facade. It wasn't. It, it was a real test in the wilderness. I mean, I think about 
this is somewhat, this is somewhat, um, you know, I don't mean to trivial, trivialize it at all, but I mean, I love making references, you know, especially the Lord of the Rings. But when, when Galadriel, you know, and others are hit, like Frodo offers the ring, like he, he offers the ring and the, these certain characters, they will not take it. There's some who would reach out and take it, you know, there are others who will not. Um, and I mean, we would have to say that, that Christ's will in that moment of temptation was real and that he, his, his will is, you know, he's got two wills because he's got two natures, but his divine will is one with the Father's will, right? So, so, so Christ, so our desire as Christians is for, our, for us to will what God wills, right? We want our will, not, we, want, we don't want God to change his will to make it like our will. We want our will to be changed to be like God's will. I would say this, that, that, that Christ's human will was in such uh, accord with the divine will that um, even if it were possible speaking to the human nature of Christ for him to have sinned, he never would have done it. Um, uh, and again, that's speaking of the hypothetical but it, because because the two the two wills are so attenuated to one another that there there would there wasn't a there wasn't a you know a, a, a an atom's width of of distance between the two. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Temptation reveals our desires. Yeah. Yeah. And Adam's desire was to be like God. Mm-hmm. Inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Christ's was to obey the Father. Yeah. And that was revealed. What he wanted was revealed. Right. In yeah. So his will yeah. is he wanted what his nature or his mm-hmm. will wanted. Right. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. And so if he had wanted something different, mm-hmm. he could have chosen something mm-hmm. different. Yeah. But he couldn't want something different as the perfect son of God. Right. Yeah. Which I know. I mean, my answer didn't exactly get to the to the no, point of your question, but it's it's you know, yeah. I mean, I remember at one point, I, I think I even said, it was after a fellowship meal, or after an evening service, and we were having a fellowship meal, and I said something like, yeah, it was, it was possible for Christ to have, it had to have been possible. And, you know, whoever I was talking with gently, just very gently, you know, pointed me to some resources that helped me to, to rethink that a bit. Um, um, because as, as God in the flesh, um, to, to suggest that he... That his human will could have done something in uh, in deviance from his divine will would be a denial of the hypostatic union, um, which is that that the, the way that the natures are un, uh, united to one another inseparably, um, inextricably, eternally. Now, you know, after after incarnation, post incarnation, um, and you know, so yeah, I mean, the, the question, and, and we're getting we're getting at okay, the nature of the Trinity. The nature of the incarnation, and we are we are dancing all around heresies, right? You know, trying to very, tiptoe, be very careful about it. But but these are these are important questions, and we're you know we're we're digging in deep. Um, Tim, before I get back to you, I know Wayne was raising his hand to John Chitty and Eddie. <laughs> so Wayne, I don't know if you do you remember what you were going to well, say. You know, one thing going back to the idea of him being sinless. You know, of course we say in, in confessions through ordinary generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and some have a certain church has a certain idea that Mary was sinless, right? And that, so you get into the Mariology, and they made her co-redemptrance. Yes, 
So, but that it, you know, so so this is specific to 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 Christ because he is the last Adam. Yeah, and that's one of the yep. keys that Scripture tells us. He mm -hmm. is the last Adam as compared to the first Adam. Yeah, and you know, as far as his temptation, go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He, he was having second, you know, it comes right. across like he's having second. Yeah, I yeah. really don't want to sit there. Yeah. He knew what was coming. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, but he went ahead and did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would say also in regards to, you know, our sin nature. Mm -hmm. So I always go back to Romans 7. You, you mm -hmm. see what Paul's saying about himself. Yeah. I see what I'm doing is wrong and yeah. I know it. Yeah. But and I think it's via the Holy Spirit that allows us to repent of it. Mm -hmm. For somebody oh, who, yeah. who isn't. <clears throat> anointed with the Holy Spirit, they would make every right. justification you would think of. It's a yeah. worse thing, you know. You if you if you talk to Cain, he'd tell you, mm -hmm. you know, Abel had it coming. Yeah. You know, he'd have a good right. <laughs> yeah, he'd have a good reason for why he murdered his brother. Yeah. All right, uh, John Chitty, then Eddie, then Tim. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna launch on after after that. So uh, getting back to Tim's original thing about Jesus had this ace up his sleeve we, do, we don't have because he mm -hmm. had an unfallen human mm -hmm. nature. So mm -hmm. Why is that meaningful for us mm -hmm. in Hebrews 4.15? Let's see. For we do not have a high priest who is mm -hmm. unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. <clears throat> yeah. it, he went through it. Even though he couldn't commit those sins, mm -hmm. he experienced the full extent of the temptation mm -hmm. so that he can sympathize yeah. and empathize with us. Yeah. He put himself yeah. in our shoes literally. Yeah. Yeah. In human yeah. flesh yeah. and felt all the temptation <clears throat> he feels. Yeah. So and and because of that we can't at yeah. least at least we can't charge him with remaining on his throne. Right. And looking down on us and going yeah. There you go, screwing up again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't, you don't know up here in your ivory tower how we common yeah. people yeah. feel. Yeah, he came down. Yeah. He's a friend yeah. of sinners. He yeah. came down and he was among yeah. us. And he felt what we feel. Yeah, that's. A, I, I'm glad you brought us back to that, John. It's, that is important. And probably answers Tim's question better than than I could have or that I did. Um, good. Thank you. It's, it's, <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, um, Eddie. What, what were you? Uh, yeah, um, you've heard the term playing the devil devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Play that for just a second. Do you think it would be safe to say um, that for Satan it was all about timing? Uh, one, he's got Jesus Christ alone, away from mm -hmm. the disciples. He's got him in a human form. Uh, he also has him at a state of hunger, mm -hmm. where he's even more weakened. Like, hey, this is my shot. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come now. I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a helpful way to think about it. Um, you know, it's timing, um, but but I, I would also say, even though Satan was trying to lay a trap for Jesus, in a sense, Jesus had laid a trap for Satan. You know, like, I mean, Jesus went to the wilderness knowing exactly what was going to happen. Um, he knew. I mean, he went to the wilderness for the purpose of being tested, for the purpose of being tempted, for the for all because he had to fulfill all righteousness. He had to for us. So yeah, I mean, that's a, I think that's a helpful thing. The, the the conditions were perfect in the sense of, you know. Uh, uh, Jesus being at his most susceptible, but but then what it does because he doesn't sin, it also does prove the very thing that Satan kept tempting. If, if you are the Son of God, then do this. And Jesus, by not sinning, he he proves that he is the Son of God, because there's no human, no mere human, no no human uh, who came into existence by ordinary generation. Uh, who could have withstood the temptations that Jesus did. And so it does prove, it, it, it vindicates 
the fact it vindicates him as the Son of God in the flesh. Um, all right, Tim. I just want to say there's. I did not mean to imply. <laughs> oh no, no. Jesus, we had a more difficult. Oh yeah, no, yeah. If I talk about this much, I'll be crying <laughs> because of what Christ did for me. Mm-hmm. I think there was a good explanation of he didn't have that desire. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah. It's just it was mentioned in Sunday school a few days ago or a few classes ago mm-hmm. about it was just kind of went through that Jesus didn't have the same nature and he just kind of stuck with it. But, mm-hmm. And it, you know brought up a question. Yeah. I, what Christ is, I, I just don't want to give any implication yeah. that somehow I have it or. Yeah, no, no, and and Tim, I, I mean, I hope you. Do. I didn't take it that way. I thought your question was good, and it's. I mean, if you're asking it, other people are thinking it and wondering about it, and so you know, you don't need to worry about that from my standpoint. I've got a couple more, but I'll save them for later. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, Tim's always got a couple more. <laughs> all right, um, all right. Any any other questions on this? Before I, so we're gonna we're gonna press ahead. <clears throat> um, Okay, so he, let's see. All right, we talked about Jesus. Uh, um, he goes to the synagogue. Um, this is when he's in Nazareth. He's, he stands up. He reads the scroll, Isaiah 61. Um, he sits down and he says, Today, this has, this, uh, let's see, what is it? Today, this has been, um, oh boy, I want to get it right. So, um, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's uh, that's Luke four. Oh, sorry, twenty one. I'm sorry, I got I have new contacts in and I'm having trouble reading. Luke four twenty one. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Everybody spoke well of him, and then he um, uh, then he asked this. Uh, someone asked um, of the people, "Is this is not this Joseph's son?" So they they recognize him, and he's in his hometown. He's in Nazareth. And they start to question, like, wait a minute, this, how does he speak with such authority? He's not a rabbi. He didn't, go to, he didn't do any training. He grew up here. Um, he's just a, he's a local yokel like the rest of us. Um, and then Jesus responded to them, which is an interesting response. He says in verse 23, he says, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Um, so, so they've, he's, he's acknowledging um, the fact that they, they've heard these stories about him. They know he's a local. They, they've heard he's been doing uh, miraculous healings of other people other places. And, and so he, he kind of he anticipates their next question, which is going to be, hey, all right, show some, show some love to your people. You know, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, if you were to make it as a, as a billionaire and you go back to your small hometown and everybody wants a handout kind of thing. Um, um, and so they want, they, want, uh, they want Jesus to, you know, you know hand out some, some goodies in the form of, of miraculous healings of their ailments. And um, <clears throat> so, so here, here's my question to you. Why at the end of this section do the people of Nazareth get angry with Jesus and desire to kill him. They're, they're first, they marvel at his teaching and, his author- and, and at his authority. And then at the end of this section, by verse 30, he, he's, gotta, he's got to escape from them because they want to kill him. What happened? <clears throat> Why did they get so angry with Jesus? 
Now, come on, you guys get to ask questions of me. I, I, <laughs> I'm turning the tables on you. Yes. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. So he's he's, he's revealing who he is, right? Um, uh, Bonnie. Yeah, but that's that's not the that's part of it, but not the specific thing that really sets them on edge and wants them to come after him. What is what is what happens? And this is where you gotta you gotta this is where you read it closely, and it'll trip you up. It trip. Um, oh, oh, Liz, sorry, <laughs> I I couldn't see you over there. Yeah, so, so I don't know if you can hear what was... He tells them, I'm not going to heal you. Which it really is offensive. <laughs> so he says, let's, let me read this. <clears throat> he says, uh, um, he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up these three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So Elijah wasn't sent to his, his people. He was sent elsewhere to, to, uh, to, to help this widow because she was going to starve to death. Um, and there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And so, yeah, Jesus is in essence telling them, um, I'm not going to heal your people. Which is kind of, you know, you can ima- I mean, you can imagine um, how, how shocking that would have been to hear him say those words. Because these are his people. Um, but what is he saying there? Like, why, why would he say such a, such a thing? Why would he refuse to, to heal the people in his own hometown? What's he, what's he, in essence, saying by using those two Old Testament stories? What's he saying? What do you think? Yeah, I, I can tell you. Yeah, Josh, help us out. <laughs> it seems like the, um, part of what's offensive about these stories is that people who are not God's chosen people are getting the cutting line in front of the Jewish people. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a, like all societies struggle with certain kinds of, I'm going to say racism, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. including ours, and... Mm-hmm. There's a, and, and of course, the Jewish people have suffered under lots of that. Mm-hmm. But there's also been, just in some cases, certainly in this story, there appears to be some sense that we're special, and they are special. Mm-hmm. God said they were. Right. But um, God owes us these things. Mm. And when Jesus is like, nope, don't owe you. Yeah. I, God can, prophets can do things for other people. Sometimes God picks other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that really challenges their, I'm going to say, sense of entitlement. Yeah. And so with that sense, that yeah. sense of entitlement um, substitutes, mm-hmm. it takes the place of faith. Because yeah. Coach God faith yeah. instead of sense of entitlement. Yeah. Thank you. Would you preach my sermon later? <laughs> no, you said, it, you said it really well, and I, I appreciate that, because, I mean, I was just going to say something like, yeah, it just wasn't God's will for Jesus to heal those people. Uh, but I think you articulated that and, you know, a lot more, which was very helpful that, we, we cannot tell God what he must do. And we, um, I mean, and Jesus makes that very clear in no uncertain terms. Yeah, Chris. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, not all Israel is Israel. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That is very offensive to them because, like you said, they they felt entitled. Yeah. To whatever they wanted to make Jesus do mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. But yeah. That's not yeah, and and what y'all are saying, it gets. What's the purpose of the miracles? What is the what's the what's the ultimate purpose of the miracles? What are they called? Specifically in John's gospel, what are they called? Signs. They're called signs, right? So what's the purpose of them? Is it just for the purpose of? I mean, you know, healing. That's huge. That's a big deal. We place a lot of emphasis on healing those who are ill, those who are injured, those who are, you know, been hurt in some way. And so it's not like that's not nothing. But for Jesus, what is the purpose? Yeah, Bonnie. So they may believe. Yeah. Yep. It's it's pointing as signs. They point to the fact that Jesus is the one prophesied in Isaiah sixty one. <laughs> like he's the one that the Old Testament was foretelling of, and and because he you know because um, prophets uh, are not ex- no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. He knows that all they want they they do have a sense of entitlement. All they want is a handout. They're not they're not actually interested in the good news. Um, that doesn't mean that nobody in Nazareth will come to faith in Christ. That's not that's not what that means. But the, his he he goes to those. He he performs these signs not merely for the healing of the one who, who you know the benefit of the one who is healed, but he performs these signs for sinners to come to faith in in him to prove who he who he is to them. And so and while it's a, I mean that is a painful truth. That the people of Nazareth do not want to hear, and that's why that's why they get so angry with him. They want to kill him. Um, <clears throat> they they rose up. Verse twenty nine says they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. They wanted to kill him. They were so incensed. They were so enraged at this. I, you could say that Jesus just sort of he provoked them. Although if you you know, um, but but he's he's merely he's he's stating this truth. He's stating the truth. He's stating it fairly bluntly. He's saying, "I, I know what you're going to want," which is yet another <laughs> indication of of who he actually is to them. He knows their thoughts. He knows what they're going to ask him before they actually ask it. And and then when he gives them the answer that they don't want to hear. To the questions that they have not, have not yet spoken, they they want to kill him. Um, all right, any comments or questions? Yeah, Bonnie. Just, just a comment. Mm-hmm. I think also God closed their ears and their eyes. It was His plan that they wouldn't believe at mm-hmm. that time, and He waited to say <clears throat> His time had come until Philip brought the Greek mm-hmm. to Him, the Gentiles mm-hmm. came, and He them. So it was all in God's timing. Mm-hmm. The Jews would not, or many of them would not believe at that time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point too. That it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's God's timing. Um, it was not a part of his plan. Um, yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, in, in verses 31 to 37, so this previous, this, uh, this, this previous um, account, it's, it's something that happened on the Sabbath. Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. Uh, and in verses 31 to 37, Jesus is again teaching on the Sabbath, uh, this time in Capernaum. And the people were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And here, so he's in Capernaum, not 
not Nazareth. <laughs> what does he do? He, he performs a miracle. He, he, he performs a sign. Um, there's a demon-possessed man who cried out, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him and drove the demon out of him. <clears throat> and so unlike in his own hometown, in which he said no prophet is acceptable, here in Capernaum he's received with amazement, with good reports, um, about, uh, and good reports about Jesus go out from Capernaum. Um, uh, he, the word begins to spread even more uh, because of what he did there. And, and so this is the one, uh, the one instance of, of, of Jesus on the Sabbath. I think I mentioned this last week, just to remind ourselves. What it, uh, the one Sabbath passage of the six where uh, there is no altercation, no confrontation, no, no problem here. Which is interesting when you think about it. That I mean, he silences this man, or the demon that is, is speaking through this man, um, because he's trying to reveal who he is. The demon knows who Jesus is, which is, which is interesting. Even the, 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 the demons know, and they tremble. Um, and he was afraid. This demon was, or this, this demon, I probably shouldn't use the, the male pronoun for the demon itself, but the demon was afraid. Um, and, uh, and then Jesus cast the demon out. Um, verses 38 to 41, Luke gives an account of Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law, um, as well as a summary of many other kinds of healings that Jesus performed. And Luke also says that demons were driven out of people, and as, uh, as they were, they cried, You are the Son of God, and Jesus silenced them. So here's, here's my, I think this will be my last question to you this morning. Why, why would Jesus silence the demons? I mean, they, they, okay, so demons, what are, okay, here's another question. What are demons? <laughs> and do you believe in them? Uh, no, what are demons? They're real. I mean, you, you should, um, but uh, what are they? <laughs> Thomas is telling us. He's like, <laughs> what are they? Yeah, fallen angels. Yeah, they, so they, they would have been, it, they're creatures. Um, they're fallen angels. Um, they're they're um, uh, not even the crown of God's creation. Um, mankind is humanity is the crown of God's creation. Um, uh, First Peter talks about you know that, that that things have been revealed to humanity into which angels long to look, um, and so they 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 are they have they have great power, um, but they're not as privileged in a sense as humanity is. Um, <clears throat> but this demon. If, if, if we're correct in all of this, if it's true that, that this demon is a fallen angel, this demon was in heaven at one point and would have, would have worshipped Jesus at one point. Uh, or would have worshipped, maybe that, more properly say, the Son of God. Um, uh, and so the demon is, is privy to information from eternity past that these people don't know. So why wouldn't... Jesus allow this demon and the, and the demon in the previous account to to just keep on talking. Yeah, Russell. I believe that the same reason that he makes them quiet is the same reason as he won't help out his friends there among him mm -hmm. in the temple. I'm not doing anything for you now, and these demons aren't going to explain anything to you. Mm. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. The circumstances, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the circumstances between those two accounts are slightly different. The one in Nazareth, um, uh, I'm sorry, no. The unclean spirit was um, in, in uh, 
Capernaum, you, and then you that man, you yeah. said, don't go tell anybody what I yeah. did. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, it's it's got to come from Jesus's lips. Um, he's he came he came to proclaim. Um, and <clears throat> while these well these demons could have you know they did and they did testify. I mean, it's remarkable that the that, that the gospel accounts contain this. That, you know, it's recorded, and we have it. And the demons did testify to who Jesus was, but Jesus wouldn't permit them that testimony to be of any benefit to those immediately nearby. Maybe this yeah, Josh. Is really, uh, analogy, but I can imagine um, like someone running for political office not wanting to get an endorsement from certain people. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's actually no. That's a helpful way to think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean, it could. Yeah, some people probably. Oh, he's in the league with the demons. Well, the Pharisees and they did. They did condemn him. And, and you know, he he catches them in their contradiction. That you know, you're casting out demons by the power of Satan. And he says, you know, a house divided can't can't a house divided cannot stand. I mean, if you're divided against itself, it's going to fall. Why would Satan cast out demons? It, does, it makes no sense. Um, uh, so yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yeah. Um, Term for this messianic secret. Mm-hmm. This time to be revealed yes. widespread to be the Messiah. Yeah. So that they won't take him and force him to go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go overthrow Herod or whoever it is. Put him on the throne. Now. As, as uh, Michael W. Smith most famously said in his song in the 80s, Secret Ambition. Um, <laughs> he had the secret ambition. It was, you know, it was, he, he was. It was a messianic secret. He was, he was operating uh, below the radar for much of his ministry. Um, and, and, you know, even, even his brothers, his half-brothers would say, at one point, this is in John's Gospel, they try to get him to go to Jerusalem, um, and he says, my hour has not yet come. Meaning, the, the day of my crucifixion is not yet here. Um, and so he, he waits. Um, but, yeah, it's all, it all has, it gets back to uh, the timing of it. Oh, Eddie was talking about that. It, it all has to do with the, God's perfect timing, and things have to happen at just the right moment, at just the right time. All right. Um, well, the bell has rung. Let me close this in prayer, and then we'll get ourselves ready for morning worship.